Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast. A podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Till Luca. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. Practitioner. Hi, this is Till Luca. When I was looking for a publisher for a book I wanted to write, I was lucky enough to have ended up with two offers. One from a huge international media conglomerate and the other from Handspring, a small publisher in Scotland run by four awesome people. And I'm glad I chose them. Handspring is not only did they help me make the books I wanted to share with you, the Advanced Myofascial Techniques series, but their catalog has emerged as one of the leading collections of professional level books written especially for body workers, movement teachers, and all professionals who use movement or touch to help patients achieve wellness. Hi, and I'm Whitney Lowe, and Handspring's Move to Learn webinars are free 45-minute segments featuring their authors, including a recent one from Till. So head on over to their website at handspringpublishing.com to check those out, and be sure to use the code TTP at checkout for a discount. So we thank you, Handspring. So good afternoon, Till. How are you today? Hey, pretty good. Whitney, how about yourself? I'm doing well. We're rounding out near the very end of the year today. We are actually recording this episode on New Year's Eve, and uh, there's probably not a person around who's very happy to see 2020 leaving. So, um, not happy to see it leaving. Yeah, yeah, maybe or the other way around too. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's been been one hell of a year, and we are going to uh, talk a little bit about some interesting things related to new beginnings, new activities, and new years this year. Right? That's our our topic? Yeah, it's, it's a New Year's topic. It's really, uh, you know, this is the time of year people think back on the past year, but especially start to look ahead for the new year. And uh, whether you're listening to this here at the beginning of January, or you're listening to it throughout the year, it's always a time to reflect and think, you know, how do I want to be doing things? What could I do that's better? And often what comes up is how do I take care of myself? You know, typical New Year's resolutions involve uh, that often, I think it's like 55% of New Year's resolu- resolutions, they say, involve health behaviors. And so there's so much to say about that. And it's so relevant to our, uh, you know, our professional life, our professional longevity as practitioners, how we take care of ourselves, how we decide uh, how we spend our time. It's also relevant to our work with clients because so many of the things our clients come in, up in with for us to help them with have a self-care component. It's so often that we see things in clients where we just go, you know, if you just did this, this might be a whole lot better for you rather than you coming to me to help you with that. Yeah, I'm curious. I want to ask you your sort of take on this. That uh, with that high percentage of things relevant to healthcare issues, why do you suppose that is, why is that so high on all of our lists for for yeah resolutions and things. Why are 55% of resolutions about health related behaviors? Yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, I I think it might be related to just some of the intrinsic challenges in taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Some of it's just the physical actions or physical behaviors we do that uh, care for ourselves as living, breathing people. Yeah. And your your health is something that's always with you and probably uh, frequently on your mind um, about things that you can say, yeah, I really would feel better if I felt better. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, it's, uh, you know, the cost of not taking care of ourselves is huge too. Yeah. You know, it's, it does get in our way of enjoying life. Like you said, COVID has been interesting because it's really shifted the landscape 
on a lot of this for everyone. And some, in some ways, I think people are getting better at taking care of themselves from the stories I hear and my friends I talk to and for myself. In other ways, the challenge is more squarely on us to do what we need to do for our bodies and our well-being. Yeah, I think you're right. It certainly can cut cut both ways with that because I've, I've also seen a lot of, you know, posts and things from people saying like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm because of COVID, I haven't put on real clothes in three weeks. I'm just wearing sweatpants and pajamas every day. And like, I don't care about you know how I look to everybody else. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of that can some, sort of slip into our self-care of, of taking care of ourselves some ways, I think, too. Uh, cutting cutting corners or loosening up around the norms yeah and uh that's an interesting relationship between self-respect say and self-care yeah uh but that's there's a whole lot there's so much to say whitney as you know about how to motivate ourselves or our clients how to do better how to say uh, you know set goals and move toward goals and be accountable there's so much to say about that Mm -hmm. but rather than uh focus on those today I thought, why don't we just talk about the excuses, the excuses we use not to do that stuff? Yeah. So I, I think that's where the rubber hits the road, and that's where that's where the big challenges are for all of us. I think are are the reasons and the rationale that we make for why we don't do those things, and and right. I think learning more about ourselves and shining the light a little bit on our own issues and our own processes can help us be both uh, empathic and compassionate with our clients when they're in the similar types of things and maybe also give them some strategies for working on that may uh, help them find ways to move through it as well. Awesome. Great. Let's look for that. Yeah. 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 I'm a, I'm, I, my, I'm a full-time project for myself. And if we can apply this to clients, even better. So yes. To do yeah. that. So the cost of not taking care of ourselves is huge. They say that 80% of healthcare cost is related to five basic behaviors that all have to do with self-care, smoking, drinking, eating, stress, and exercise. 80% of all healthcare costs. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely huge. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the cost to society, but then of course the cost to each of us is huge too, because we don't feel good. We don't, we, you know, we have earlier symptoms or earlier uh, problems related to aging. They show up earlier if we don't take care of ourselves, mm-hmm. we lose our satisfaction in life, we lose our productivity, all those kinds of things. Yeah. And I think if you look at many of the the types of medical conditions whose primary driving factors are smoking, poor drinking habits, poor eating habits, and stress, we see lots of the the um, the big ones that are highly impactful healthcare conditions relating to those things as well. So clearly, yeah. you know, that plays out with everybody's um, not only just the the public health uh, facet, but everybody's individual well being there. Yep. And so then New Year's is a kind of uh, reckoning time. People start to go, okay, I really would like to take better care of myself. Because often the problem isn't knowledge, it's just behavior. It's actually doing it. Yeah. Most people know some things they could do for themselves. Mm -hmm. But even if they don't, there's often the desire there to do that. So New Year's resolutions are a way that people sort, you know, reflect and sort that out and set some intentions. And that's, that's good. Although uh, it's hard because, you know, the, there's a lot of research into resolutions as an interesting topic. And, you, you know, there's a bunch of it's been in the press, so you're probably familiar with some of it. But just 8% of resolutions make it out of January in terms of the yeah, years. just 8%. Uh-huh. 8% last past January. And then Strava, you know, the exercise app, did some a couple of years now in a row of analysis of their user data to see how long people they see a big spike, you know, around New Year's and people using their exercise apps. 
So then it drops off, and they've named January 19th this last year uh, as the quitting day, quitter's day, the day (laughs) the most people quit and most things drop off on their uh, intentions. Interestingly, the year before that, it was January 12th, so we were a week longer. We're getting better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and who knows what it's going to be under COVID, but there's that effect. Yeah, of uh, you know, we get a good we get a good start on it, but it's hard to keep going. It's hard to. It is, and you know, I also oh, I wonder, and I've seen this certainly with myself as I look at you know times when I've made re- those kinds of resolutions. Just the the sort of negative feedback loop that can emerge when you recognize that you're not going to meet those resolutions, and you see your your process starting to break down. It's like, oh, there I go again, not following through on something, and then it can have sort of negative self-repeating messaging to your oh, to yeah. yourself but i'm not i'm not any good i can't keep up with this sort of thing and that's that's detrimental for us all i think huge yeah the toxicity involved of the disappointment in ourselves or the shame around that ends up in that spiral that looper yeah. gets harder and harder to face that yeah yeah that's part of the mechanism there too yeah sure uh well even uh you know just another example of how hard it is to to set an intention and follow through with it, like heart surgery, open heart surgery, which is not only a huge deal for the body, it's really invasive on your body to be cut open in that way and then put back together. It can cost up to a hundred grand. It's really traumatic, not only to your body, but to the people around you. Uh, And then it turns out that about uh, uh, half of the, uh, say the angioplasties have a restenosis that happens where they, they basically clog back up again. And yeah. most of those are preventable through behavior changes. Like if we just changed our behavior, the arteries wouldn't clog back up again. Yeah. Turns out that uh, 90% of people that go through that, uh, say, in a bypass surgery, don't change their lifestyles after two years. So you look at yeah. it later, and there hasn't been a change in lifestyle for ninety percent of them, in spite of that. Yeah, and I think a lot of that kind of stuff is, you know, some of those things that they've come in with are so so heavily ingrained, both behaviorally, psycho- psychologically, and some of them with you know chemical addictions and things like that. I know with um, my dad, we used to joke with him a good bit in that there was this story. He had had he had two heart attacks during his life, and after his first heart attack, when he was in for bypass surgery snuck out of the intensive care unit to go smoke a cigarette. And it's like, <laughs> really? Yeah. really? It's just like, you know, and he knew it was not good for him to go do that, but he just, yeah. the, the chemical addiction was so strong. Uh, I think with the Sure. Nicotine. That's, that's yeah. a factor or behavior addiction or just, yeah. you know, we're all there in some sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's a, that's a really dramatic example, but it's, it's hard for all of us to yeah. change those habits and those behaviors. Yeah. Like uh, like losing weight, ninety seven percent of people who lose weight end up getting it back in five years. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would imagine that a lot of that is both um, be- a lot of I think a lot of those food things are behavioral things as well as you know there's metabolic factors and people you know a lot of people in our culture stress eat you know I see myself doing it periodically and just like oh I you know I'll definitely eat that because I'm just I'm like so stressed out and I just I don't care if I'm just eating a bag of fritos or something like that for lunch and it's just poor choice things uh, yeah. and we'll get into that a little bit later of like why we allow ourselves to do that and what our excuses are but it's that's it's so easy it's yeah. not I mean diet is such a tricky and deeply ingrained one because it's related to so many habits behaviors uh traditions uh, self 
attitudes, those kind of, you know, yeah. you know yeah. soothing behaviors, all sorts of things. Yeah. It would, and it's interesting, you know, both like looking psychologically to it, those, the role of, you know, nurturance, food and nutrition, and the things that get ingrained in us from the very, very early stages of our life of being, yeah. food being associated with sustenance and love and touch and all those kinds of things. There's probably all kinds of connections. Did you say touch? Right yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, your that. mother's breast milk and, you know, the touch and the holding and caressing associated with eating and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah. And so then in this touch deprived time, where do we look for that yeah. sort of comfort? Right, sort of deep uh, nurturance, as you said. Yeah, yeah. So, I was watching one of those shows the other day. That was one of those year interview shows. They were talking about all the people who had, you know, just everybody got into baking during this COVID thing because they were home alone. I'd wow. say I'm not. I'm one of those people who I didn't get into the baking thing, and uh, yeah. I, I didn't end up having that kind of extra time around. But like, there's a lot of food preparation that was going on in much more detail than, than I think there, there was under normal conditions. There was, and both junk food or comfort food and yeah. ingredients for home-cooked yeah. meals, both of those have gone out quite a bit during COVID. Yeah, right. So yeah, food is a place we're turning to for that, which yeah. um, some of us at the end of the year are going, okay, maybe I could drop a little of that. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I would exercise, but uh, we're still winding up to our excuses. We're still yeah. finding getting closer to our place. I wanted to also, before we get into that, though, just talk about how this is about both in my own life, but also in my observations of the, the people I teach, uh, but that us, the healthcare and helping professions are on average worse at this than other groups. And Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we built we built getting some body work into our certification program, and typically that was the last requirement that the body workers would get done. That's not true for all body workers. Some are really yeah. good at making sure they're getting work as well as giving it, but on the whole, uh, we tend to put it off. We don't tend to put that first. We don't put ourselves first. You could yeah. say. And I've often wondered about this. I mean, do you think this is uh, something more along the lines of the you know, completely altruistic individual who says, you know, I'll put myself last, I'll take care of everybody else first, um, essentially the bodhisattva of health processes yeah. or something like that. And, yeah. um, you know, There's wonder if, if that's a big factor of it. But, you know, the other thing, too, that's that's interesting is that we need to model healthy behaviors for our oh. clients in many oh. instances. And it, it's a challenge and it's a... Uh, a potential problem, I think, to not um, be able to do that really well because, uh, you know, they right. want to feel like, like, hey, I'll do what you suggest if you're showing me that you're doing it too. That's, that's to walk our talk. Partnership it's thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, just a little bit, I ran across some statistics when I put together our stress course that I went back to the other day and looked at again. And they, they kind of, I want to follow them some more because it's really interesting but a couple of statistics around that about 10% more caregivers or people in the health professions say that they tried to make positive changes in their health in the last five years than the general population. In other words, we oh, tend, yeah, we tend to try harder. We tend to say yeah. we've tried, we tried more. Yeah. But, uh, and I don't want to discourage this too much by most measures we're actually worse at doing it. Uh, at least in terms of self-assessment, other measures of kind of stress management, yeah. we tend to be, uh, you know, about 10% worse than the average population in our self-assessment of our effectiveness is our stress is our self-care behaviors also tend to be worse. 
Yeah. So why do you suppose that? Why why do you think self-care is so hard for us? Why? What's the question there? But No, yeah. it's true. We bookmarked a few ones in terms of the health, I mean, the care provider thing. It's um, We tend to be helpful people. We want to take care of people and we forget that we're people. Yeah. Like we're the source, not the target of our care. Yeah. So for all those complicated reasons, both internal to ourselves and our own psychology and external to our circumstances and the lives we create, and then systemically as well and culturally as well. I mean, there was uh, Audre Lorde talked about how, as a, as, a, as a black woman, she talked about how self-care for her was an act of political warfare, she said. She says, it's not self-indulgence, it's self-preservation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. So there's a whole uh, societal dimensions of this as well, as well as very deeply personal psychological ones about am I, am I, do I, am I worth it? Do I have the self-worth? Do I think I'm worthy even of attending to or taking care of myself? Yeah. So that's getting into a lot of individual self-esteem facets of this as well. Yeah. One of the most relevant, I think to me, as I unpack this and work on this in myself over the years is the relationship to procrastination in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, Timothy Peitchell says, he put a book out about procrastination, uh, solving the procrastination puzzle. It's good. He said it's, he doesn't see procrastination as a time management issue, which was interesting thought to me because I've done so much around time management over the years. I mean, ask me about time management systems and I can go on for a while and I love uh-huh. them and I use them. Yeah. You know, but he says procrastination isn't a time management issue, but an emotion management issue. I believe that. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense to you too. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, you know, lots of us have dozens of tools that we can use to help us manage time. I think that's not the big problem. Somebody, I saw a face on, uh, a post on fa- a face on Postbook, yeah. <laughs> a post on Facebook the other day. Yeah. Somebody said like, God, look at how much stuff I got done while I was procrastinating doing this other thing that I needed to get done. You know, so yeah. clearly it's not a matter of that management of time. It's just like uh, I don't really want to have to do some of these kinds of things. And, yeah, right. You know, his his definition: procrastination is a voluntary delay of an intended act, despite yeah. the knowledge that delay may harm us. Yeah. Now I just thought of something interesting along these lines. That um, tell me. When we think of the individuals who are in many of the healthcare environments, uh, massage therapists, body workers, uh, the people who are doing the things that we're talking to, a vast majority of them are are working pretty much independently of an overseeing boss who's really riding you, let's say, all the time, like might be the case at a low-level office work job. Yeah, Mm -hmm. clearly you might have an employer or somebody else, but to a large extent... Um, many of us are in charge of our own time and life. And yeah. that gives us a lot more capability to procrastinate because That's right. you know, we're not, we're less accountable to ourselves than we are to somebody else. Uh, There's this dream of independence that motivates yeah. a lot of practitioners to yeah. work on their own time and their own way. But that also means we're responsible for how we use our time and the uh, priorities we make and how effective we are at uh, doing the things that need to be done. Yeah. Right. So there's a double-edged sword there for there sure. Is. There is. There so, is. Yeah. And the things that don't feel good or that yeah. might be uncomfortable are tend to be the things I put later. Yeah. Typically, yeah. If, if, if it's all up to me. Yeah. Uh, that's the procrastination 
thing. You know, it's like if it's if it makes me a little uncomfortable, I'll tend to do the things that are clearly easy to do first that give me some little hit of maybe productivity. Or yeah, yeah I'll just you know I'll eat like uh, what did they call those guilt-free potato chips? You know, I'll eat some baked potato chips. Oh, right, yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. it feels good right now, and it gives me a, enough of a break from my feeling bad about the other stuff I eat that I'll do that first. Yeah. I'll notice sometimes I will do the reverse and I'll say like, God, I really don't want to do this, you know, whatever job it is. Maybe it's a, you know, accounting or business bookkeeping or whatever. And I think, uh-huh. you know, if I just got that off my plate, I would yeah. really enjoy the rest of my afternoon. If I just yeah. do this first, do this stuff that I don't like first, um, I will really enjoy my afternoon. And a lot of times I feel a lot better when I'm able to do that kind of thing. But it is, it de- it definitely takes some degree of discipline to put the nose to the grindstone to do those uh, things. The D yeah. word, discipline. It is, yeah. And so are you, were you the kind of student who like got your homework done? Early oh, early? yeah. Like <laughs> I was not happy, not comfortable, not getting my homework done. So <clears throat> I, the self-discipline, this, this like leached over into like I had to make sure I, you know, did my designated yeah. 30 minutes or an hour long practice of my saxophone every night and that kind of thing. So I was pretty disciplined on that kind of stuff in I've, school. So. I've always admired that about you. Yeah. I am the opposite. Uh-huh. Uh, if I don't have a deadline, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And if it's not like up next to the deadline, it's not time yet. Right. Yeah. So, uh-huh. which is, uh, I don't actually, I've, I've come to peace with that to a certain extent. That is uh, an environment in which I thrive having deadlines and, and demarking those for myself are one way I manage my character style around that. It's a little bit hard sometimes on the people around me, which I feel bad about because, uh, you know, my staff or, or, a, you know, editor at ABMP or Handspring or other sponsor here, they've all had to deal with that with me where it's just like, it's the deadline till uh, we don't have anything from you yet. What's going on here? Yeah. And uh, it's, I feel a little bad about that, but it, I, I work, better under pressure. I work better when there's uh, a deadline. And that's just one way I've learned to manage that, you know? Yeah. I noticed from a stress perspective for myself too, the flip side of being good at discipline is being too rigidly adhered to the disciplinary Uh guideline of, I got to get, you know, X amount of time into this kind of thing today. And if I don't, then I start getting, you know, irritable and frustrated and, and, you know, anxiety increases. Uh, So there's, there is the downside to that as well. There is. And like all these things, I think what we need is a kind of internal bipartisanship. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that, you know, the for myself, the disciplinarian can get along a little better with the spontaneity yeah. uh, lover, you know, the one who right. just wants to follow my nose through life. Yeah, exactly. And I will I will certainly credit my wife with helping me with that because she is certainly much higher on the spontaneity scale. And that is something that, you know, the balance of bringing those things together helps us, uh, you know, like, okay, yes, that's great. let's just go, let's just go do this crazy thing, you know, totally spontaneous sort of thing. So, well, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we have to have, probably, kind of- I mean, my, my wife helps with that too. It's interesting to yeah. think that how we, pair up or we our friends our social circles ends up supporting those different aspects of us too yeah right yeah so uh that's good though now i want to do some more conversations on this whitney i think i want to maybe even interview you i can think of some other people uh robert schleip comes to mind. i've already interviewed him but he is amazing on the discipline and the um kind of intentionality yeah this is a really I, interesting question, though. How do we navigate? How do we do that bipartisan thing of that yeah. balance inside of us between the spontaneity and the... 
I remember Leon Chato telling me one time that, uh, and I can't remember the number, so I'll, I'll misquote it, I'm sure, but he said he gets up and he writes a thousand or fifteen hundred words every day before he does anything else. It doesn't matter if it's yeah. crap. There's going to get yeah. fifteen hundred words written, you know, for, and that's why he was so prolific in putting out such a large amount of of written work over the years and other yeah, kinds of productions, good. just because he could adhere to that kind of of uh, disciplined process. But uh, it certainly you know, wasn't all crap either. He did some good stuff. No, yeah, and and so and so, what you'd end up doing is like, yeah, you'll you'll have some days of writing crap, but then you got a lot of stuff to work with to help you know feed it out, edit, make it turn into something good. So. Uh, that, yeah. is, that is helpful, but... Uh. Well, I mean, there's something about that, uh, and this is kind of related to my last point I think I want to make before we get to our excuses. It's Dean Ornish's thing about fear, fear of death and guilt being really bad motivators for people. Uh-huh. Because people don't eat better. He was a you know a heart surgeon who came up with an amazing yeah. plan for helping people with heart issues. He says people don't eat better because they think it's going to kill them. They eat better because they want to enjoy their food and ha- enjoy life. And yeah. So his quote, this quote he wrote down here, telling people who are lonely and depressed that they're going to live longer if they quit smoking or change their diet and lifestyle is not that motivating. Who wants to live longer if you're yeah. in chronic emotional pain? So that's that's absolutely true. I think that is. Yeah. 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 That's deep. That's like okay. Yeah, that well, is if, so true. If I'm, it's life care. It's not just self care. It's like, can I, can I find a life that I want to live for and I want to take care of myself for? Yeah. It's not just so it's sad. almost, you know, from for the many people who jump onto the, you know, the health uh health club bandwagon on January first and everything, uh saying they're gonna do this, you know, really might might be missing the first and most important step, which is what do you want really and what do you want to feel? Not like why are you doing this because everybody says you need to and you think you need to tell yourself to do that, but oh, yeah. what do you want to feel like? What do you wanna be like? What is you know, right. what's your your kind of goal that you're you're aiming toward there nice. to, to be able to make it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So like a state-defined goal as opposed to an action-defined goal. How do I want to feel? Yeah, maybe. Something like yeah. that. And finding yeah. finding a way to, to operationalize that somehow could be pretty challenging, but it might end up being really important for, for them as well. Yeah, so uh, it could be. So, what do you think? Um, <laughs> our, we managed we're not to talk, talk about, about excuses. We're What's our excuse? Our excuses. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. So, our top excuses for uh, not doing all that good stuff. My top. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I got to say, it's a little. It makes me a little nervous. A little vulnerable here. My top excuse is that I have too much to do to really take care of myself. I got deadlines. I got these things that I, I probably yeah. wait the last minute to do or whatever, but I got like a big list here. And I somehow in my mind, I find that to be the good reason not to go take care of myself and do the stuff I ought to do for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a common one for so many of us. I will certainly say that that's high on my list as well too. And I think we can, morph that into a couple of different ways to look at it. And I, I certainly have a lot of that sort of thing too. Um, as we were talking about this, uh, my sort of twist on that yeah. same piece is I have what I sort of consider to be the uh, the wellness care bank that uh-huh. I tap into, which is that I spent a lot of time when I was younger 
doing a lot of things about physical health, you know, martial arts, meditation, uh, all this kind of stuff that allowed me to get in really good physical shape. And I was eating really well and have always, you know, eaten pretty well. And so what I'll do is I'll say, I can take it. You know, that's Uh, my thing. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't have time to work on this right now because, and that's okay because I can take it because I've got a bank of health built up from the past that I can tap into to carry me over this difficult time when I don't want to do something. So you got your healthcare homework done early. And so you can take, yeah. So, I mean, I'm really glad that I did a lot of that because I do think there is a carryover into later parts of life that, uh, certainly has been helpful, but I gotta be, I gotta be pretty careful about tapping into that too frequently. So, um, I just, uh, went to the doctor yesterday and found out that I have a stress induced eye disorder now that's coming from excessive stress because I have not been taking care of my stress levels recently. I got to like, it's the beginnings of a macular degeneration in my eye. So, and I'm on my computer all day long, so I can't, I can't have that. No, you can't can't do that. Uh, And there, you know, as time goes on, we have to listen to those things more or, or they'll assert themselves in ways that force them, force us to listen to them. Yeah. Those kind of symptoms. Yeah. All right. So So what else you got? Well, I'll go on, but I just want to stick up for myself and for you a little bit there and to say, you know, all of these, it's that bipartisan idea. There's a, there's an, we're calling excuses and the reasons maybe we give ourselves for not taking care of ourselves, but they also, I think represent, um, you know, something that needs attending to as well. That the fact that you actually take care of yourself, you got this bank. That sounds pretty awesome, you know, and the sense of resilience, resilience that you could take it. And then for myself, I have too much to do. Yeah, I can be enormously productive. You know, that's the upside of that. In other words, I can just say, yeah. you know, I can, uh, you know, I can manage and get a lot of stuff done. The downside for myself is, of course, that then I can neglect the things that uh, keep me healthy and happy. Oh, yeah, that's right. that's related to my next one, uh, which is. Uh, I'll get to it in a minute. In other words, I'll get to my self-care in a minute. I'll get up out of my chair and go for that run in a minute or do my whatever, do my bike ride. I got a bike here in my office. I'll do that in a minute. I just want to finish this thing I'm yeah. working on now because it's I'm almost there. I don't want to lose my thought. And yeah. uh, that'll that's a loop. You know, once that starts, it can be hard to get out of. And I look up and like I'm embarrassed about how much time has passed that I've been saying that to myself. Digital deferral. Uh-huh. Yeah. Deferral looping. Digital deferral. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just as soon as this other, I get through binging this other Netflix episode, I'll be able to get to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's that, <laughs> that too. Kind of right. Maybe it's so, not even like something yeah. uh, productive. Maybe it's just like, yeah, this is just too interesting to leave behind for now, but I'm going to get to that in a minute. So it's deferral. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for me, another one that um, I think comes up a, a good bit is um, others are more important to focus on. I get, I'm one of those sort of caretaker kind of people. And I'm like, uh, this sort of leaks into the, I can take it sort of thing, but like, I need to go do something for somebody else first. I need to do this for the dogs. I got to take care of this for my wife. I got to do this for some friends of mine. I got to do this for a family member. Those things are other priorities that come above me. So preferencing everybody else ahead of me is, is often, one of those things that uh, uh, leads to my my sort of procrastination and not getting those things done. Well, you're speaking as an animal owner. I, I certainly I'm thinking like as a parent, 
this is we know this place you know and there's just times we got to take care of the the beings the you know that depend on us that's right yeah but uh as a as an identity or as a habit yeah i can see how that would make it harder to work in the self-care there yeah that i'm one of the beings too yeah i'm you know i had this idea i'm gonna get a dog but i'm in the i'm in a dog search right now all right yeah and i'm gonna think i'm gonna name it my m-a-i okay that's his first name his middle name is going to be self <laughs> there we go myself yeah. myself yeah so that uh you know i can just say oh yeah myself needs a walk right now yeah but you better be careful about that because you Why? might be on the phone talking to me saying, yeah, I'm playing with myself. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody maybe, yeah. I'll be careful of that. Thanks for the warning. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's this sense that, you know, dogs, for example, maybe especially, but they do become our care objects, our surrogate yeah. care objects, where they really do remind us. I, mean, my, I miss my dog because she would come and poke me with their cold nose and say, you've been sitting there longer than I want you to. So let's do Exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like a, a four-legged furry reminder of your, your uh, conscience saying like, Hey, haven't walked yet today. You know, it's like up and at them, buddy. The, yeah. the small sure. warm animal that is our body. Like in yeah. Mary Oliver or somebody. You right. Know? Yeah. Wow. So what else? What other, uh, yeah, excuses are we're getting through them. We only, I only uh, gave myself three. I got a long list, yeah. my top three. Um, this is probably the most embarrassing one, but maybe one of the deepest. It's that basically, it's the assumption that I make that whatever the self-care thing that I'm facing is going to be too much work or too uncomfortable. Yeah. And right. I'd rather just sit here and enjoy this, like you said, Netflix or comfort yeah. chair or even the comfort of this task that I'm doing. Yeah. That I'm what this next choice, the self-care choice, is going to be too much work, or it's going to make me uncomfortable somehow. Mm -hmm. And that's back to that procrastination thing, being emotion management or pleasantness management. Yeah, to do something yeah. that's comfortable and easy now than do the thing that seems hard. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, I'll have to say, like, I, I mirror all of those that you've mentioned. It's uh, I see a lot of those things happening for me too. One of the uh, the a third one that comes up for me. And again, this is one I'm not terribly proud of either mm -hmm. um, is, you know, getting into this, this state more and more frequently these days. I notice as I get older of saying, Oh, what the hell? It doesn't matter. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting older. It's not going to make that much difference. Oh, well, if I don't go work out today, if I don't go do exercise, if I don't take a walk, yeah, that's all right. You know, yes. um, <laughs> you know, it's not going to make that much difference. And so <clears throat> that one's dangerous because uh, that certainly leads into uh, yes. uh, making everything feel uh, less sort of both relevant and like having, having meaning around that. Like you let you know, yourself go is what I can hear yeah. in my back of my mind at the yeah. same time. Uh, I just, I just feel like stick it up for you, Whitney. I don't mm -hmm. know why, but it's like there's there is a kind of acceptance that comes with getting older, yeah, and a kind of a, that's around aging itself. It's like how do we, uh, you know, there's there's a way to age gracefully that does involve not letting ourselves go, but accepting the differences that come with getting older. Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you think about that in terms of what the hell I'm getting older anyway? I think you know I it's important to 
to recognize that, you know, there's there's sort of a, a mission behind what my life is about and who I am, and I don't want to give that up. Uh, and I have been a lot about taking care of other people my whole life, uh, but that also has to extend into myself. And I have to, I have to be honest and, and recognize that, um, you know, there's a lot of times where I, I'm not going to say abuse, but take advantage of my own self in ways that I'm, I think modeling taking care of yourself is really the first step in modeling that taking care of, of the other people and our clients and things like that. So, all right. Um, so you can, you know, in other words, you're saying you could take care of yourself even as a way to take care of other people. Yeah. Because I think that's a, I think that's certainly a way into d- developing that sense of compassion and, and uh, you know, what we were seeing and talking about earlier too, of just the um, relieving the, the guilt that people feel about not doing things. And, you, you know, you have to be compassionate about things just the same way that you would be talking to somebody else who's working and struggling with their, their own difficulties, I think. Just thinking so. of something one of my friends said to me not too long ago. He said, if I, if I treated my wife the way I treat myself, she yeah. would have left me a long time ago. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's like, how can right. we be a better partner, a better spouse to ourselves, better, you yeah. know? life part yeah. of ourselves in a way it starts at home yeah starts at home so so w- what do we do what are some things that can can help that process uh, yeah before i get to the solution i want to i want to just give out the honorable mention prizes oh yeah good okay <laughs> yeah. they uh because there's you know there's a whole lot of them i'll bet you have some too whitney but yeah. you know, uh worthy candidates that didn't quite make the cut for top three like, uh, I don't know what to do for myself. And that's actually huge. Just a lack of information or a lack of being able to imagine what to do. You yeah. know, it's time. I know it's time for me to do something. I just didn't think ahead. Don't have it in front of me. What am I going to do? do yeah. I look for a yoga uh, YouTube or what do I do right now? You know, and that leads down another rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, oops, I'm back on my phone. Definitely a high contender. That digital distraction and the, you know, we're up against some pretty, big players in this arena, namely, uh, I guess it's okay to mention Apple, Facebook, Google, and every other tech company, the designer, social media company that has evolved the business model involving getting us to use our devices and making them interesting and making them irresistible. You don't think they intended that, do you? Well, I don't think, uh, to be fair, I don't think, honestly, they intended to have it be such a mess. And a lot of them are trying to do things about it to greater or lesser extents. But I think that is, I mean, when you have a metric that is based on clicks, pickups, or whatever, you know, that's, you're going to get good at that. And you're going to invent algorithms that get better at that and get beyond our ability to even understand how they're working. But they do get really good at catching our interest and getting us to interact with them. Yeah. And so we're up against some strong competition for our motivations there. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So what else hits our honorable uh, mention? Honorable mention. It's raining, dark, or cold. I don't want to go outside. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. do that. It's a little bit harder to do when you live in a climate where it doesn't get <laughs> bad weather. It's freaking like when I was living over on the coast of Oregon, that uh, was easy because oh. I'm not going out in the rain and wind like I'm not going out there today, but uh over here it's a little harder to to pull the weather excuse well what i tell my son is like there's no such thing as bad weather just bad attitude yeah so Uh i try to tell that to myself but that's a little harsh yeah uh yours yeah you mentioned that one i need to take care of other people here's the one i love i couldn't get logged in i gave up Uh i stopped yeah it wouldn't find my link or whatever yeah customer service kept me on hold too long Mm -hmm. 
whatever, or or I don't like being on Zoom so much. I mean, that's these are all valid uh, reasons to change course and to do something else. But it's it's interesting to watch how in myself and in the people in our learning community, how we come up against those as reasons not to do the things we actually kind of want to do. Yeah. How about you? Anything else you want to stick on our honorable mention list? I'd have to say, yeah, like I, all this whole honorable mention list, I'm, I'm with you like fully on all those. I, I can't think of another one off the top of my head that really also we haven't yet tapped into. So I think, um, yeah, I think we've covered a lot of those and probably everybody else has got a few other things that we haven't thought of here, but that's, that certainly covers the, the things that, that are most prevalent for me. Um, yeah. So, uh, so what do we do about it? I guess what's full stage contenders up here at the Oscars for excuses. We have a full stage of like award winners and runners. Yeah, up. yeah. And uh, what do we do about this big scene? Uh, I, you know, I got some bullet points there. Uh, I mentioned of you and I both mentioned them as we went de- through the conversation. But having a plan. This maybe this is like a summary. Then having a plan really helps me so that I know I'm going to wake up and before I get into my workday, I'm actually going to spend X number of minutes doing Y. So mm-hmm. I actually know what I'm going to do and I have it ready for myself. I don't have to go looking for that yoga YouTube when it finally occurs to me to get off my other device. You know. Do you think having something physical like a checklist of like these are the things that I need to do today and like when you can see that mm-hmm. checklist? I had a friend who used to make to-do lists of things that she had already accomplished and then would like scratch half of them off just because it looked good that you sort of got some motivation. Like, yeah, like I'm really, I'm cranking here. I'm getting some stuff done, you know? Yeah. Don't get me started on checklists. We could do a whole Uh episode on checklists. Like I said, I'm a time management, whatever it is. uh, Yeah. A auto. Yeah. Right. Uh, Not to say that it's necessarily all helpful. It's maybe I need as much help as I can get, but yeah, checklists are awesome. And the, you know, technology, enabled checklists, essentially like your step counters and your, uh, you know, the different apps that help you monitor what you're doing is part of both having a plan, you know, I'm going to make this many steps that day and then knowing yeah. specifically how you're going to get it. Yeah. Another summary point, this is maybe the biggest one. It's catching that key moment when I could decide to do something for myself or I could defer it or delay it. It all comes down to that very moment when, okay, I could stop now. That's the moment to do it. Yeah, right. And still we're, we're back at, to, at least to some degree, that whole issue of seizing that moment and being able to do something about it. And that kind of, that's where the discipline comes in and certainly helps out. Certainly. Because you can right. kind of say, like, yep. okay, here is the moment. Like, all right, let's get to it. So, Yeah, and breaking the good-bad thinking, knowing that it's always a negotiation between different parts of myself the part of myself that does want to actually enjoy getting out there for a run and the part of myself that really does want to stay here and get this project done on my screen, you know, that they both have a point of view and there's a negotiation involved. And it's not like I need to make a plan to suppress one or the other. There's a way to let both of them live. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's valuable. And and we need to, to um, I think oftentimes get in a place of being able to, I don't know if forgive ourselves is the right word, but give our cuts, cut ourselves some slack on some yeah. of those things. Yeah. Like that's self uh, friendliness, you know, or an actual friends, actual, the social accountability, the actual knowing people knowing that you're wanting to do something or doing it with you, you know, companionship. And there's uh, so many ways to do that both in person just to have friends and support socially, but also there's more and more ways to do that. Yeah. Dangerously perhaps on our devices. 
there's ways, you know, there's meditation apps where you have a group that you're meditating with Strava, for, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah. We should, we should check with them about being sponsors. Yeah. I don't know Strava. I'm not I, familiar with I that. I don't mean to actually give them, they did that interesting yeah. research that I don't need to Yeah, in my inverted endorsement here, but they've done that research on when do people quit? They're the ones that did that. Yeah. Uh, for myself, deadlines, things that help me, you know, get past the excuses, uh, and intermittent fasting around self disparagement, just saying to myself, okay, for this morning, I'm going to skip my self criticism breakfast. Okay. Now when you figure out like how to do that, that's what I want to know. Like how, how do you actually accomplish that? Because I mean, that's the ultimate goal of every, you know, meditation method around is like, how do you stop the mind? You know, how do you stop yeah, those thoughts? Right. So, I mean, maybe it's tell me when you got that it's a secret trick. Yeah. yeah. Those secret tricks is that maybe it's catching it. Yeah. Noticing when I go, Oh, you, you, you know, lazy, whatever yeah. just in there in uh-huh. your chair. Just, oh, yeah, wait a minute. I'm skipping that this morning. I can get to that yeah. later. I'm, uh-huh. you know, I'm having a fast on self-disparagement right now. I like that idea. A fasting of self-disparagement. Yeah. And then I'm going right. to supplement my diet, like you said, on self-friendliness. I'm going to take some supplements, you know, dietary supplements of just going easy on myself. Of not getting down on myself so much or not, you know. And, you know, you should, uh, like, when you do accomplish some of those things, you should actually verbal, just the same way they tell you to actually physically smile when you're feeling down because the muscles uh, have a difficult time, you know, in terms of being tied to the emotions, a difficult time continuing to stay sad if you're physically smiling with yourself. So get up and say, like, all right, that was awesome. Great job there, buddy. Demarking, celebrating, acknowledging. Yeah. Those kind of things. Great. Right. But then the last one on my list, you can probably see it there on our outline. It's the one you said. It comes down to just doing it. It comes down yeah. to just getting out of the chair, uh, shutting the refrigerator, finding something else, whatever it is that allows you just to do those things. That's what it comes down to in the end. Just do it. That would make an interesting marketing slogan. I wonder if anybody's ever thought of that before. Yes, maybe we can take it over if they haven't. <laughs> right. Very effective they had for <clears throat> getting everybody motivated on that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, well, I think we've uh, tackled quite a few of those things. Yes. Um, and hopefully we can have some uh, different perspective on our challenges around resolutions and things that we want to have accomplished for the new year. Um, I'm looking for our excuses more. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So um, I'm going to try to congratulations for making it through the podcast episode. There we go. That's the first step. Excellent job, everybody. So um, we want to thank ABMP for their sponsorship. They are a proud sponsor of the Thinking Practitioner podcast. All massage therapists and body workers can access free ABMP resources and information on the coronavirus and the massage profession at abmp.com forward slash COVID-19, including sample release forms, PPE guides, and a special issue of Massage and Bodywork Magazine, where both Till and I are frequent contributors there. So for more information, do please check that out on the ABMP podcast also, which is available at abmp.com forward slash podcast, or wherever you prefer to listen on your favorite podcast apps. So thanks again to ABMP, also to Handspring and all of our other sponsors for their support of The Thinking Practitioner. You can stop by our show uh, or site for show notes, transcripts, and other kinds of extras. 
Um, you can find that information with me at academyofclinicalmassage.com. Until where can people find you and those resources there? Advanced-trainings.com. If you have questions or things you want to hear us talk about, it's a new year. we got some exciting topics lined up. We want to hear yours too. We want to work them in. Email us at info at thethinkingpractitioner.com or just look for us on social media. I'm at my name, at Till Luca. How about you, Whitney? Also can find me on social media there at Whitney Lowe. Um, and you can follow us on Spotify, rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you happen to be listening, whether it's one of those uh, metal cans with a string attached between it, whatever it is that you're listening to. Mm-hmm. Tell a friend, share the news and don't make excuses. Go listen to the rest of the Thinking Practitioner episodes there. So if you're going to make excuses, have make them good ones and enjoy them thoroughly. That sounds good. Well, we're looking forward to a great 2021 with everyone. Look forward to diving into some great conversations with you, sir. And uh, I, we will um, see you all again in two weeks. Okay. 